welcome to Ruby Red Slippers Soul Care Podcasts and the Renegade Women in Soul Care series. I'm your host, Arlana Scola. Who is the renegade woman? She is the woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. She is the woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world and any other number of verbs that call to her soul. Many people ask, what is soul care? Soul care is an ancient practice and a modern-day necessity. The care of the soul was and is central to our spiritual life. C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Caring for the soul matters because soul neglect happens, soul deprivation is real, and caring for the soul is of vital importance to leading a well-balanced and abundant life. The following is a beautiful quote from Ken Geyer. He says, The soul, though at all times hidden, is at all times revealed, expressing itself through everything we say and do. Through the ordinary brushstrokes of everyday life, a portrait of our soul is being painted. Such an eloquent expression. In the process of being renegade women and caring for our souls, we must remember to take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. My guest today is Meredith Comstock, and she is a renegade woman. Growing up in Calabasas, California, gave Meredith a perspective on who she wanted to be and who she didn't. After spending some time working in Hollywood, Meredith married and started a family, working as a makeup artist. She and her husband then moved the family to his native Nebraska. Omaha was just the life Meredith was looking for. Meredith went to work in a man's world naturally. Facilities management has few women and fewer ladies. Meredith says, it's what I know and what I like. I also like that I am a surprise to most people working in the field. Meredith continues to live in Omaha with her husband, Joe, an artist. Both her grown children are stand-up comedians living in Brooklyn and Denver. So Meredith, welcome, and let's talk about how we met. Thank you, Arlana. Well, I don't know exactly what grade it was, but it was quite a while ago. It was. <laughs> I think it was eighth grade. Weren't we um, second class? Yes, I think, I think eighth grade was yeah. the year the school opened, and that's when you came to the school. Yes. I've already been in the school system. Right. I, I was a newbie to uh, the Calabasas turf. And it was a great experience for me personally. And I met some amazing people, one of which is you. And I always marveled at your sense of humor. You were so quick and so sharp. And (laughs) in the household I grew up in, yeah, in the household I grew up in, if you weren't fast, you would get destroyed. (laughs) So being able to like bounce stuff off of you and not have you go, wait, what? And just be like, bam. I was like, oh, this girl is so awesome. So that was something that I've always loved about you and appreciated because it's just so cool to, to banter with people that are quick and fast and sharp and amazing. Well, I will say that what I really appreciated about you in school, besides I loved your family, I loved your brother and your parents. I remember seeing your mom at a, in a manicure salon, I don't know, six years out of school or something. I was so excited uh-huh. to see her and she's like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> and I went to her and to me, it was like I'd seen her the day before. What I really appreciated about you was that you didn't think I was weird. I mean, maybe you did, but you didn't think it was weird that I was weird. I loved that you were weird because I was equally as weird. So it's like the whole ET thing. I'm like, oh, look home. (laughs) Well, when I had the haircut from the David Bowie Aladdin Sane album at 12. Yes. People really sort of thought that I was just out there. And I really wasn't. I just had an artist that I really admired and who also had red hair and who made me feel like I belonged somewhere. And a lot of people really thought I was too weird. And you were just totally accepting. Well, thank you. That's nice to know that 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 was your impression. And I love that in my home growing up, that we had people from all over the world and all different cultures all the time. So it was sort of like 
everybody's cool. And I really appreciate that because it served me well in my life because I had those early experiences at home to begin with. And so just loving people where they are. And I never even thought until right this minute that you may have been weird or different or, <laughs> or anything of that nature. <laughs> well, you're the only one. Oh. <laughs> well, I stand strong on that. Okay. I still appreciate it. Wow. Thank you. And, and I give that credit to my parents most definitely. So Meredith, what would you like listeners to know about you in addition to what's on your bio? I would say that my household, not the household I grew up in, which was not like yours. I had a single mom. My dad was sort of somewhere else. Uh-huh. Um, my brothers are so much older that they were out of the house by the time I was 11, 10 or 11. Uh-huh. So I was, it was really just me and my mom. But in my household here with my husband, where we raised our kids most of the way, they were born in California. My husband's an artist. My dad was an artist. My mm. kids are Europeans. That makes me accepting of everything. I never even considered for a minute that my kids would grow up and be accountants or engineers or something really stable. That mm-hmm. I, I didn't know <laughs> that I would worry about them when they were adults. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the way I do, but they do great. And I think that my only sadness is that, you know, when you do a really good job of raising your kids, they grow up and leave you. Yeah. And no one tells you that. And they, a lot of kids stay around. I'm not saying only good parents, kids leave, yeah. you know, they have to leave them, but I'm glad that my kids felt the confidence and the support from us that they could go chase their dream. So that's mostly what I'm about. I'm about work. I'm about following my kids on Instagram, yep. Georgia's Wild at Instagram and Hat Comstock at Instagram. My husband and I spend really special time together, but we're still not, we don't do everything together. We do very specific things together. I like quilting. He likes golfing. I like reading and he likes listening to nonfiction in his ear where I want to kind of have my own voice here, you know, hear my own voice, read it. Yeah. Um, but we don't do everything together, but boy, 33 years and counting. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. I think that's what I'm proud of in my family because we got a lot of divorces in my family. Yeah. My brothers aren't married, have never been married. My little brother, never been married. Wow. Uh, I have two cousins who are married with kids. The other two, one got married and she passed away. And the other one, never got married. So it's really very small, a very small world I come from. Wow. That's interesting. And I think that, that the things that you said about, you know, raising your kids and raising them right, I just got tears in my eyes because that's what happens is you equip them and you empower them and you teach them and, you know, you uplift them. And then they're like, see ya. (laughs) And they come home, but Yeah, (laughs) but it it is, it's just, it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's a painful thing in its way of they're gone. And I have the same thing. I mean, I have my elder son, his wife and their two babies are in Los Angeles, which is not too far. I'm in San Diego. And then my younger son, his wife and almost baby that'll be here the end of February live in the uh, outside Chicago. So they went, they got educated, and now they're doing their thing. That to me is, as you said, something to be very proud of. And I feel so joyful when I sit back and just marvel at what they're doing. Well, my parents were divorced when I was pretty young. And I think it's great that my daughter, who got married uh, in 2020, felt comfortable enough and confident that marriage is worth it to get married. because. I thought she would never get married. She and her now husband were together for years. And all of a sudden he said, you know, I think I'm going to ask her to marry me. And I'm like, what? She's going to say yes. (laughs) No, I think she would like it. And we accidentally caught the proposal on videotape. We can't hear it, but we can see Uh it. My husband had a GoPro. We were on the beach in Mexico and he was just trying to figure out how to use the camera. And he was just scanning. You see my son in a hammock. And then you go past a palm tree. And on the other side, 50 feet away, is 
my son-in-law down on one knee. <laughs> wow. I mean, That's... what a sign that is. Yeah. So, very... Now they're not planning to have kids. I won't get to be a grandma like you are, but I mean, they may adopt kids one day. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean... I'm proud of that too, because their lifestyle does not, does not let them, you know, they're in clubs every night. So yeah. who's going to watch the kids and right. who's going to be there you know, when someone's yeah. sick, they can't just cancel a show, things, especially on the way up. So right. I'm glad that they're taking, that they've made the decision that they know this is not for us right now. Right. That's and fantastic. They, they've taken some pretty permanent decisions, some per- pretty permanent measures. Yeah. But um, I think that, that it, it's working for both. And he came from a very dysfunctional family. So uh-huh. that he felt confident to marry into our family also. That's beautiful. It is. That's huge. Well, why would you consider yourself to be a renegade woman? Well, you've known me since I was 13. Yeah. I have always my feelings. (laughs) I have always gone against the grain. I don't know what it is, but when you tell me no or you can't, well, I'm gonna do it. Even if I don't really want to do it, I'm gonna prove you wrong. That's not how I got into my career originally wanted to be a casting director Uh and I worked in Hollywood and I was just so, I was a talent agent. I was the youngest talent agent registered with the Screen Actors Guild. I was like, I don't remember if I was 19 or 20. I think I was 20, but it's so brutal on your psyche. Even for me, not as an actress, but seeing these people to whom I cared about Right. It was just too brutal. And I thought, oh, so I started doing makeup and that was a little better. And I really found that I liked retail makeup better uh-huh. because that was about actual people, not characters. Right. And women would come in and sit with me and they had an idea of what they looked like and how they presented themselves. And I could change that for them mm. in a way that they could also do that every day and feel good about themselves every day. And um, like, I'm not the drama makeup queen. I'm never going to do makeup for Broadway or uh-huh. drag queens, which is just a whole different level. Yes. I really enjoyed making real women feel yeah. and feel their best. And that even if, you know, even if they didn't look that differently, they felt like they looked different. They yeah. felt presented differently. And that really captured my heart. And I did that for a long time, but you know, my kids needed me and it was a lot long hours and I needed to be at home more often for them, for their sports and their other things they did. So I got a job in facilities and I just kept going up, 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 up because I understood it. My father was a furniture designer. He was an artist and furniture designer Uh and accessories. So it was all very, it made sense to me and it was very familiar to me. And I'm a, I'm a, my husband calls me the princess of the princess and the pea. So I'm pretty good at finding things that need to be repaired or maybe just gentrified. So it seemed to be a perfect fit and, and it supported me well over the years. That's so interesting. And I like to hear these stories and talking to people and and hearing the different things that, you know, they've experienced in their life. But one of the things that I really love is seeing how the history informs the present, you know, and you're saying, you know, some of the things with your dad and you found something that was natural to you and you continue to pursue it. And I just think those, those little threads and those amazing things are so fun to hear and to see how they affect our lives, you know? I do. I love going into a place, like it may be a small family-owned place and looking around and seeing how they do things differently from a corporate yeah. um, place. And and sometimes I'll offer help. I'll be like, you know, you might want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> or you might want to change this up this way because of this. Hey, you'll save a lot of money here on your heating and air conditioning if you don't do, if you wow. rearrange it. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, that monthly bill means something. Yes, it does. So that's really I enjoy cool. that. That's super, super cool. And that speaks to your heart too, you know? I mean, that's really nice. I do feel... A great, as I get older too, I feel such a pull towards service. 
Yeah. And I wish that I could retire at my age now while I still have a bunch of energy and I could do more service oriented activities. Uh But for now, what I can do. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's what we do is, you know, we do what we can do. So that's wonderful. What do you consider to be your most significant accomplishment, Meredith? This is going to sound really weird for a change. (laughs) I think, so I was a cheerleading, high school cheerleading coach for many years. Uh-huh. And my co-coach and I took a team to the state championship. Wow. And even though it's so silly cheerleading in high school, getting those, what it took from for four years, because they were the first class we had from freshman on, getting those girls to work together, they were not all best friends, trust right. me. And high school girls are awful anyway. Yes. You boys, but let me tell you, they're yeah. awful. And, <laughs> um, and just in so many ways. I mean, not just, some of them were awful to me. They were awful to their parents. Mm-hmm. To bring, to get them to see the weight of working together. Wow. Was really, that, and that even hit me after, you know, for years after. That was in 2010 that they won that. And every year it weighs on me a little bit more how important that was yeah. going forward in their lives. And then I would think, you know, I touched probably 165 girls yeah. in the years that I coached. And some of them reach out to me on Facebook Messenger. They still have my phone number. It's same yeah. phone number. And they'll say, oh, I was, you know, they're teachers now or they're nurses or some of them are parents and they're just like, oh, I can't believe you put up with us. We were so horrible. Or I'm sorry I ever acted that way. Thank you for having patience with us. And seeing them, you know, that slow burn of seeing them is just heartwarming. Yes. So I think probably that. I mean, if I can't pick my family. Right. Yeah. I would say that. So, so, so significant. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, 165 girls, you know, plus or minus, but the ripple effect of that is you change them within their families because sure that they learned how to be nicer or more polite or, or whatever the ripples were. And just to think that your commitment and your devotion and your heart and your leadership just reverberated out so far. And now the lessons that they learned are in their careers and they're with their children. And I love that. I love that. I love that. So it's, it's a huge accomplishment, accomplishment, especially with high high school girls. Uh, And I think also that they, their parents, we really worked with their parents too. Mm -hmm. So their parents, you know, so they would understand what their parents do for them and their parents would understand what these girls are trying to accomplish. Right. And I think that really helped that relationship as well for them. Yeah, that's really special. What is your favorite word and why? Empower. Mm, I'm putting explanation by that. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great you can You can empower others. You can empower yourself. Yep. You can allow others to empower you. I, I think it's really consuming. It's a yes. consuming word. It can it, is. it can be in every facet of your yeah, life. That is so true. All and right. that, I, oh, I think maybe my mom did not feel empowered. Oh. She, I think that's why it's so important to me. She yeah. was from a different time. I'm lucky. Yeah. But you know what? I, I want to say, not but, I want to say that I always felt like you personally were empowered. I always felt like you you had it together and you were just like, a source of power. Like you just had this power about you. And so I just want to say that from an outsider looking in, I always felt like you were empowered even as a, a young girl in high school. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think my brothers helped with that. They were uh-huh. much older and they helped me know that, you know, I could say no to anything I didn't want to do. Uh-huh. I could do anything I wanted to do. No one was better that I was, I remember, I don't type very well. I mean, I type okay now, you know, I've been typing a long time, but they said, don't ever take typing in high school or you'll be a secretary. And you know what? I never did because I didn't want to have that option. I mean, I wish I could type better (laughs) anyway, but But that was my mindset. Yeah, that's such sage advice and and what a beautiful (laughs) thing they gave you. And that's empowering what they gave you. Right, right. What is your least favorite word and why? 
moist is probably taken. It is, but you can use it. No, it's not my least favorite word. It doesn't bother me in the least. (laughs) Least favorite word is should. That's powerful too. It's, it's been hard to take it out of my vocabulary. I try to say another way to look at it or another way, you know, you can approach this instead of saying you should do this. Yeah. It's telling someone something and not letting them, not helping them find their own way. Right. And what if there is a different way and I just don't know it. So yeah. I, I try to not, I don't think should is, is good ever. That's, that's excellent. And that's good is way better. Yes. <laughs> And that's also an empowering statement to say, I'm going to take should out of my vocabulary because the word choices to go in place of that are more empowering, as you just said. So that's very, very cool. Well, in words, they do have weight. Yeah. Yes, they do. What is the hardest thing you've ever done, Meredith? Help my mom through her death. Mm. I wasn't there when she passed. My brothers were there, but just the hospice, actually the whole, from the illness, she had pancreas cancer Uh from the, from the diagnosis. I was with her then and I took her to chemo and we went, brought her to my house. My daughter was a senior in high school and she was going to a big dance. And I made sure that she and her boyfriend went to the hospital to take pictures uh-huh. So my mom could see or things like that. Um, that was the hardest year I've experienced and probably the hardest, that's the hardest block for me. It's still painful. I mean, it's, yeah. now when I think of her, I smile, which is great because it's been 12 years, but it was really, it was really hard. Yeah, that is super difficult. And thankfully you were able to be there and to have that time with her and to show her your love and your support and all of those things. That's a beautiful gift on both sides for you. And and I think that it let me make up for a lot of there's karma in the world. And that's why my daughter's my daughter, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it let me make up for some of that. Yes. At least I felt, I don't think she thought I needed to make up for anything, but I felt it. Yeah. That's wonderful that you had the opportunity to do that. Very, very special. What makes you weep? Weep with a P? Yeah. yeah, cry, weep. My dog's passing. Oh, yeah. Actually, any animal commercial. Yeah. People being, uh, I mean, I don't understand how people beat kids either. Yeah. I don't, but there seems to be some other outlet where people can get in and help them. And animals don't have that. Yeah. They're and that mercy. breaks my heart that some, that pe- what people do. Not just to pets, to any animal. And yeah. I don't mean them getting run over by a car. That happens. Oh, no, I, know they you, in, I know what you mean. They live in our world, but, you know, just that anyone could be Abuse. cruel. Actually, yeah. cruelty, cruelty makes me just awful. It's disgusting. It hurts to be human at that point. That's very, very true. Luckily, my dogs also give me huge pleasure <laughs> to make up for that weeping. Yes, I know. Mine's laying on the floor here right now. I took his regular collar off so it didn't ding, ding in the background, but he's he's having dreams that he's running. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did. <laughs> I locked all four of mine out of my room. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have a peaceful environment here for a few minutes. What do you think has brought you to this point in your life? Um, my husband. Mm. That he was exactly what he seemed to be. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Apparently that makes me weep. Yes. Yes. And that is beautiful. You are blessed. Oh, for sure. And he's super lucky. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And I know he knows that. (laughs) But we both are. That we both still like each other after 35 years. We've been together 35, married 33. And gosh, coming up on 34. And I feel lucky that we have so much fun together still. I know lots of people who are married this long or not this long who don't have as much fun. Yeah, that's super important, super special, and a super blessing to be able to, as you said, still have that because yes, absolutely many, many people, even short-term people don't have that. Well, and even if they like each other, they just don't have the fortitude to gut it out. Yeah. And we've had to gut some stuff out. I'm not always easy. And he's an artist. He's not always easy, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful testament. Thank you. All right. 
if you could go back to your younger self and hand out free advice, what would you say? Oh, first, <laughs> first in all seriousness, use sunscreen. Oh, or yeah. invent sunscreen. When I was little, there really wasn't sunscreen. And I've had a lot of surgery. I have one coming up on February 2nd, which I don't think will be a big deal. But just for your health, too. I mean, it's not good to have cancer growing in your body anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. On your skin. So I would like my kids are so much better off because I slathered them in sunscreen from the minute they were born. So that would be something. I mean, it sounds uh, flippant, but it's not for me. Not at all. I would say if I could go back to my younger self, I would say get into shape physically and stay there. Yeah. Because it's so much harder to get back there. And, you know, I was a skinny little thing as you know. Yes. And I'm not now. I mean, then I, I was just a late bloomer. So when I had kids and had gained a bunch of weight, I did not know how to lose it because I'd never had to before. Yeah. I mm-hmm. never had to watch what I ate. I'd never been to a buffet. I was such a picky eater. I'd never uh-huh. been to a buffet. I came here. There's buffets everywhere. I never, before I met my husband, I never really ate cheese or, or like a casserole. Uh-huh. <laughs> Or more than one helping of anything. Yeah. Which is <laughs> very Midwestern. And um, I would say get in shape. And yeah. not so for what I look like, but for how you feel for and how, how you much feel. you have. Yeah. And for my health. Yeah, longevity. I mean, yes. Yeah. Here I am losing weight. I'm constantly losing weight because it's not really a priority. I mean, actually, at this minute it is for other reasons, but it's not really hasn't been a priority. And I would, I think if I were in shape, I would have realized earlier to stay there. Yeah. And I, that I needed to, that's what I would tell anybody. I tell when I give cards for graduation and stuff, I give them two pieces of advice. I say one week out of the month, do everything with your off hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because you never know. Cause I had, um, oh. I had shoulder surgery and you know, you can't use that hand. Wow. <laughs> so right. you learn you learn what you need that what you take for granted so right. that's really what it teaches you but use your offhand that plus you'll be ready if you ever have to right and get into shape and stay there whatever it takes make wow. that a priority mm-hmm. make make your health the priority not what you look like but right. what your health is the priority that is so great doesn't matter how much money you have steve jobs couldn't buy him jobs right. Joe, i don't know couldn't buy himself out of pancreas yeah. cancer. right Had crazy couldn't buy himself out right. so michael and he got to be healthy yeah it's, it's so true you have it you got it doesn't matter how much money you have yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter at all and i think that one thing that like is a you know little internal mantra for me is that and i told my kids this over the years even as young people it's like every time i work out i'm investing in my future Right. I really feel like that. And I've had weight issues my whole life. So I've been on that roller coaster, but I've (laughs) never not been fit. So I appreciate you saying that. And I think it's so valid and it's so true. And I love that that's what you would put in graduation cards. And I'm going to put that in the show notes too, because that's just like, there's several things that are going in the show notes that are just like, whoa, (laughs) that was huge. (laughs) Well, you know, I do Pilates. Uh-huh. I have I have some long term COVID issues, so uh-huh. I don't can't really do like heavy cardio. Uh-huh. So I do Pilates, which I fell in love with. Yeah, and I have until I had COVID again in October. I was going five or six days a week. I'm slowly uh, now. I go about three days a week, and I'm uh-huh. getting back into it. But it's expensive, and I thought yeah. my health is not expect is it's yeah. cheap for what right. it's giving me exactly, and that's how I had to rationalize it in my brain. Yeah. To make that money go out every month. And now I'm like, oh, well, this is what I do. You go to whatever gym you want, you do what you want. And I'm doing this. This is my one thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And that's so, it's so important. And I, it's like a little rabbit trail here, but I had a really, really bad accident. I guess it's been, I don't know, maybe four years now, but I was severely electrocuted and blown across the room. And basically the whole system was messed up. And so, it took a year and it took 15 months for me to feel like, okay, I might be normal again. But part of my recovery was Pilates. And um, I did very gentle floor Pilates, but I fell in love with it and my body loves it. And it was just a great 
you know, sort of re-entry healing process for me to restore my mind, body, and spirit because everything was just so messed up. And so I feel like because I had all the backstory of, you know, I was athletic as a kid and, you know, I sort of kept with things that because I had all that backstory of strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff that I was able to make it through this, this huge trauma to my whole system. I'm a big as someone who deals with electricity and stuff. I can tell you how lucky you are. Oh yeah. We have, yes. I, I work for a power company and they mm. don't, um, every month in our safety meeting, we recognize someone who lost their life oh. working on the power lines. Yeah. I totally understand that. And we, we have several friends in our circle, you know, engineers and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, the doctors too, they're like, you do realize you're lucky you're alive. I'm like, <laughs> I, I totally know that. I totally completely know that. And I'm also fortunate that like my hand didn't lock on to the, the thing that, you know, I was connected to electrically and that right. my brother's an electrician. He's like, yeah, you were the light bulb. I'm like, wow, thanks. Um, he is? Oh yeah. William is I didn't know that. serious electrician. He's an EMF specialist really? and people call him all over the United States to help with EMF issues. Yeah. He's heavy. Wow. That's my business. I'll have to remember yeah. that. Yeah, if you ever need his his contact information, but yeah, he's a super super talented, gifted electrician. So yeah, I'm lucky to be alive, and um, I'm thankful. And I didn't have any outward physical, you know, like my skin didn't get burned up, and you know all that kind of stuff. I I had a weird thing in my arm for a while where the I guess the most of the stuff was coming through me, but I got blasted about ten feet across the room. It was heavy duty. But anyway, all of that to say that yes. Work out, do Pilates, do yoga, walk, do whatever it is to keep yourself healthy and strong because it's a priceless gift that you give yourself. My to the gym, even through COVID, like four days a week, four to five days a week since I met him probably. Wow. So a, a piece of paper with a line drawn down the middle. They can only have 10 people in the 10 pennies. One came in the other side. Wow. That How is many so cool. There? And a lot of even a lot of people didn't even know they were open and wow. through the whole pandemic. So my, I got COVID from some very dear friends, uh-huh. a lot older, I think older, and he passed from. Yeah, but this it hit my lungs. My husband wow. and he, it didn't bother his lungs at all. But for some reason, wow. my lungs just rebel. And I had it in October, and I'm still on certain medication, wow. walking mm-hmm. slowly. I can get through a Pilates class now. At first, I couldn't even yeah. get through because I was so deconditioned. Right. I absolutely not doing yeah. it for a couple yeah. months, but I'm back. And, you know, if I have to walk slowly, I'll, I just go slowly up and down the stairs <laughs> or I'll ask somebody to go do something for me, right. you know, whatever right. it takes because <laughs> it's got to get great. better. Right. It's one step at a time. It was like, you know, my recovery, it was ridiculous. We have 17 stairs in this house and I would make it to the top and I would have to sit down. I couldn't even move beyond the climbing of the steps. I was just wiped out. So one step at a time. I prefer no steps. I prefer (laughs) steps, but no stairs. I'm like, okay, Joe, I, like I forgot my water downstairs. Will you oh, please yeah. go get it? And he's like, all right. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> what women have inspired you? Huh. It's so funny. I relate so much more to men because I was always surrounded by men. What um, men have inspired you? Thomas Edison. Mm. How to see something that's not there. I just don't get it. Yeah. You know? My brain doesn't work that way. It's so impressive to me. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. Winston Churchill. Mm. <laughs> this is a weird one. Audie Murphy. Oh, really? That's so one cool. that's who he is anymore. But when we went to Arlington, that was the one that was really the grave I wanted to see. Wow. Still the most decorated soldier. Yep. 17 years old, you know. Gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Wow. My kids. My mom was a li- librarian. Uh-huh. And she had my kids reading all kinds of things. And both my kids read To Hell and Back by Audie Murphy. Oh. And they're both, when I went to Arlington, I took pictures and sent it to them. And both of them were just so impressed and overwhelmed. I really think the people who inspire me, this is so off too, is this these really old soldiers from World War II. Yeah. Oh, I just love them. Yeah. 
So yes. And, go and back and do it again. Yeah. This is, you know, another rabbit trail, but you know, I've been in hospice for years and years and years, and I've done, you know, funerals and memorial services all over the place. But the funerals that I've done at the veterans locations, Rosecrans here in San Diego and the National Cemetery near Mark. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I love seeing the 1800 headstones, the headstones from, you know, the way, way back, the early 1900s and all that, because I think about what mostly men, what they went through and how they served their country with such honor. But there's just something about it for me in my heart that is just a really, really special um, sacred thing and sacred place. Like the Band of Brothers? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. I love that Arlington also, something I didn't know that a lot of these men are buried and their wives are buried on the other side of their... Yes. I didn't know that. And I thought, how lovely that they make that accommodation. Yep. It is super special. And we have a friend that will be buried at Arlington probably in February. And he was an amazing admiral that um, helped at Subic Bay. And I mean, he's just amazing. Admiral Donovan Shelton, if you ever want to look him up. Oh, well, Um, I have a friend who was a Navy guy, so I'll have to ask him. Yeah. He's uh, super special, but yes, I totally hear you. I've got goosebumps and thank you for sharing about men because, you know, if, if that's who inspires you, that is awesome. Well, I just didn't, I didn't have exposure to a lot of women when I was younger. I had brothers who who revered men. So um, I guess that's where that comes from. That's wonderful. What soul care practice do you do and how do you feel when you've tended to your soul? Oh, Pilates. Yeah. When I go to Pilates, I turn, I'm on call every other week. Uh-huh. And I have to take my phone in with me in case, yeah. you know, like a fire sprinkler uh, pipe breaks like it did Christmas Eve. And yeah. um, <laughs> right, and two buildings worth of water dump into the basement. Oh um, yeah. So, but you know what? I had guys who were happy to go in and help. It was crazy. I mean, I thought it would be hard. Nope, they were there. I like to leave my phone in the car so I don't even yeah. have to think about it. And I go in. Those are my people. Yeah. A lot of older women there love it. Those are my peeps. I get my one. I, we, I do reformer Pilates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get on the reformer. It's the one I always get on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mine. Yes. And um, I love to see the teacher who's there for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, she's here for, there's only 12 of us. Yeah. She's here for us. And I just breathe. Gently and close my eyes, and I'm in a different place. Yep, that and I love gardening too. I love quilting, but it's it really can frustrate you. So I don't, I can't say that self care. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, gardening, I love watching the flowers grow. You know, the yeah. plants grow, and I don't even cut them and bring them in. I just like them where they very, are. Very, very beautiful. Have you ever experienced deprivation of the soul? And if so, if so, can you explain? Yes. I was married once before to a lovely man, but my heart was not in it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a fraud every day. And when I finally got up the nerve to leave, and he did not one thing wrong. Yeah. One. He just wasn't the one. And right. I was really had been too young. I married at 19 was really too young to make that decision, to know that he wasn't the one. I just right. didn't have enough experience, but it did help me get out of my circumstances, you know, of having very little. So, I mean, I know why I did it, but having to tell him was just, it killed me. Wow. Because he was such a nice man. Yeah. And I, and we, we talked years later, strangely, he also died of pancreas cancer, but, um, I know. At the same time, my mom was ill. He was ill. Wow. And he was only in his 50s. But it really, what if I hadn't left? I yeah. would, would have been unhappy for what, 25 years? Yeah. What's, that? What's the point of that? And it still, I was empty for, well, I met Joe two years after that. So I was empty till then. Yeah. And you know, too, to have had the tenacity as a very young woman to um, stand up for what you knew was best for your soul 
Yeah. To be able to um, do that is just absolutely gigantic. It was hard. Yeah. And I was poor. But you know what? I just went home. I just said, Mom, I got to move back in. I can't do this. And she was so upset, as I know now how a parent feels. But really, she wasn't looking back. It didn't devastate her. Uh Like I I was afraid it might. (laughs) She was, I think she was proud of me. Because she she was married to a man way too long. Mm -hmm. And it's good that even though she got her children out of that relationship, I think, because I remember asking her, why did you, are you sorry you ever married him? Now I got my beautiful children. But I think really it was 10 years too long. And I didn't want to be in that position of having, re- having that regret. Yeah. Regret is just like, that's what drives me because it's just so senseless. Yeah, it is. But do it takes- something. If you're going to read, if you think you're going to regret something, don't do it. If you think you're going to regret not doing something, do it. Do it. Yeah, that's very, very true. And more My people need to hear that. that too. Yeah, well, he's right. That's he used to always come back to Nebraska to visit his parents. Like we never went on vacation. We just came back to Nebraska. And I'm uh-huh. like, come on, you're going to, you go here like five times a year. He's like, well, I don't want to regret not having seen them enough. Yeah. And I had never looked at it that way. I was still young. I was like, wow. And from then on, just spent all my time with my mom as much as I could. Yeah. My good friends and family. Because he has made me realize a lot of things like that. That's beautiful. The Midwest yeah. is really good for not thinking about right now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. California is very right now. Yeah. And the Midwest is more, you know. Yeah. Well, what, what happens down the road? Oh. I hadn't considered that. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very beautiful thing. And and I love that. And I feel blessed that our family has been in that way of, okay, time together, time together. Right. You know, even if it's it's just a meal, like my dad would say, you want cow or chicken? You know, we're like, <laughs> oh, well, can we have cow? He's like, oh, I'll make cow. Then we all go hang out, you know? So, yes there's definitely not so much of that here in this state. Um, but I feel good that we created that for ourselves and it continues on with my kids and their kids and their families and, you know, in-laws and all of that. And it is, it's what is important. My kids both live in different States now. Yeah. So we went when my father-in-law, the last of our, the last of our parents passed away in 2014, in November. So January of 15, we all went on vacation. We needed it. My husband took care of him for three and a half years. And Mm. it was really, it was rough. And we all went like 10 of us. And let me tell you, that's so great. We have gone every year since, except this year, because now they don't want to go to Mexico anymore. They want to go on golf trips and golf in Mexico. It's $150 a round. So, oh, so now this year they're coming here in May and we'll go out to dinner. They'll stay here. They'll bring their dogs. They won't have to board their dogs. And now we'll go out to dinner every night and they'll golf every day with their dad. Yeah, that's Georgia's wonderful. Birthday. All four of them got, love golfing. Uh-huh. And that's our new... That's great. They, were, they really were like hostages to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. we took them there so we could see them for a week. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> So that's a beautiful alternative. That's great. Yeah, it really, I think it's going to be super fun. That sounds like it. I mean, just family time. I mean, just hanging out. And there's something to be said for me personally. There's something to be said for being at home and hanging out with the people that you love. I don't know. Yeah, lying on the couch. Right. Getting the dog and not having to eat with a fork. I don't know. Right? (laughs) Eat on the floor. (laughs) I mean, whatever. Just yeah, just together. We all get in the hot tub. I have a big covered deck, and we get in the hot tub and watch. We have a big screen out there and yeah. watch football. Or they'll be watching the Masters. Or I think they might come next month and watch the Masters. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that works. That's, that's what does it for you. <laughs> that's great. Do you have a passion piece right now, or something that's on your heart that you're doing or really want to do? Well, I made these gratitude bags. Mm. <laughs> I saw Jennifer Garner posted something and it just hit me one day and I took a screenshot and about two years later, I found it. And 
she just has, now she has a lot more money than I do, but so I didn't include the cash, but I made these little quart Ziploc bags of like hand cleaner and uh-huh. Kleenex and toothbrushes with toothpaste already in it, you know, like uh-huh. disposable things and some granola bars and some really thick socks and some chapstick, just little things that make you feel right. human. And because I donate regularly to the overnight mission here uh-huh. in and when I'm down there, I always see people on my way there and on my way back that need something. Right. So I made 20 of these and they're oh. in my car. I just finished them. They're in my car. And then I have other ones because I had some leftover of some things. I didn't have exactly, you know, I didn't have, I had like 40 of this and 20 of this. So I could only really make 20. But then I made other things that just had maybe toothbrushes and hand sanitizer. Uh-huh. And granola bars in it. So there are a lot of people standing out off the freeway when you get off. And yeah. Thought, no, this is something I can give them. That's and I know it's really for me. I mean, I know that feeling of giving is so flooding. It yeah. floods your soul with it does. So I don't, it's not just for them. I, I know that, but it will help them also. Yes. And that's sort of that's what I've been working on, gathering things from people and trying to get people to help me go give these out. And yeah, a lot of people don't really want to, they don't want to know. <laughs> that yeah. That goes well, on. I totally get that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really, I wish it didn't go on either, but you know, we don't have California people lay out by the beach and here, I mean, it's winter. It's yeah, right now, it's 25 cold. degrees. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, when you see someone out there with a shopping cart, they're really suffering. Even yeah. if they can find a place to be inside at night, if they're really, it's they're suffering. Yeah, that's beautiful. And th- I'm going to put that in the show notes too. It's like, make, make gratitude bags because, you know, even here, I, I mean, you put $10 in each one also. I just don't have yeah. one extra $200. But even if you put two things in and right. give the bag out, it's still, it's a beautiful thing, one. Right. And yes, it warms your own soul too. But it also says to the person, I see you and you matter. Right. That was you know? mine. Yeah. Well, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you for letting me know that. And it's interesting because I have a um, retreat here at the house, myself and two other ladies um, lead this retreat. And it's, I think we called it soul sisters, S-O-U-L sisters. And so to the last one that we had, we have them quarterly. One of the ladies said, you know, start talking about gratitude. And I was like, gratitude. I'm so tired of that word, but what she said, I was like, oh my gosh, whoa. And it was seriously, it was a game changer for me because I'm like gratitude and I'm gracious and I'm kind and I'm thoughtful and all those things. But I just had seen the word so many times in so many ways, you know, but it was a game game changer for me. And I started, you know, a, a gratitude journal and I journal every day anyway, but I started a separate one to say, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And right now on my desk is a bottle that says aromatherapy. It's got olive and persimmon and citrus, and it says gratitude on the front of it. So it's really, really helped to change my focus on the use of that word and expressing that. And it was just so sweet when you said gratitude bags. I'm like, I think gratitude is a feeling. It is. I mean, I think people want it to be an action and I think it's internal. It is is I was just having issues with quote the word and right. um, I've shifted because of what you said, because it was all, I was seeing all the external and processing it, choosing to process it in that way. And right. I wasn't using the word internally, although I am grateful, but I, right. you know what I'm trying to say? But of course you're grateful. So, yeah. And so I think that's where it got, it got overused. It's like, well, of course you're grateful for for a brand new car. It's like, that's not what you're grateful for. That's not great. Right. That's not being grateful. You're grateful you have a car. Yeah. Brand new is separate. Yeah. I'm grateful I have 10 fingers. I'm right. grateful and I my take a deep breath. And then that I can walk. Right. And I have a job that, you know, supports our lifestyle. Right. Well, yeah. my husband does too. I don't just support us. He also supports Well, yeah. I mean, that you know, that I have a job that contributes to the lifestyle we want to have. Right. And that's a blessing. It is. That, that is a blessing. It is. Well, any final thoughts about this conversation, my friend? Well, I didn't think I would cry so much. Oh. Uh, but it, no, it's a good cry. It is a good cry. It is a good yeah. cry. And I, uh, 
I'm thrilled to talk to you. I'm so glad we made contact. Me too. You, even though we, you know, didn't see each other through all of school, I always felt you there. Yeah. And I just, you know, would love to see you in person. I would love that too. And if I ever go young, like if I, if I get sick and pass young, I hope you're going to take care of everything for me. Well, you just, you just tell me what you want. I'll put you on the list. Of people yeah, that put, put me on the list. I, I'm serious. I'm on some lists. So please. I already have my music picked out and I know what my song is. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> um, have you, I don't know if you've heard it. It's called, it's by Warren Zevon. No, I don't know it. It's called, gosh, dang it. Now my brain isn't going to work. Hang on one second. It is the most lovely song. He wrote it when he was dying oh wow uh, from lung cancer and he sang it on david letterman wow it, because david letterman gave him the whole hour wow show to come in and sing and why am i having so much trouble <laughs> oh, it's called keep me in your heart for a while wow and it is so it is the ultimate it. funeral song but it's not sad it's just yeah. sweet beautiful and so I picked out other songs. There was a time when I thought I might be ill. And I, so I did some of this and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, now I have them. Now I know it's important to me. Wow. That's oh, a beautiful that's, thing. That yeah. is a very, very beautiful thing. Well, I want to thank we, you. Howard Stern would say, I think we've said it all. Yes. I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> well said. Thank you for joining me and thank you for doing this, you know, table tennis that we did back and forth for months to try and make it happen. Thank you for not giving up. I appreciate it so very much. I'm honored for you to have asked me. Wow. Thank you so much. And you are episode one of season two, my dear. You're the first in 2023. So thank you so much. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. And it'll be sooner rather than later. Yes. We're not going 30 years again. I like that. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Renegade Women and Soul Care. I hope that you were blessed by the conversation today. It's so exciting and wonderful to be able to talk with these amazing, dynamic, powerful women about being a renegade, but also taking time to care for their souls. If you know of somebody that would be good to be on the show, please let me know. You can reach me at Arlana at therubyredslippers.com. And for all things soul care, please check out my website at www.therubyredslippers.com. There's information about retreats and mastermind classes and one-on-one consultations and also information on my book, Sunsets and Soul Care, which can be purchased through my website and also on Amazon. Please remember to take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days. Ciao for now.